0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the newest episode of the "Going Long" podcast. I'm your host Zach Neal. Uh, Oregon win big time. Oregon victory on Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. Kind of a tough win to uh, you know really assess. It was a dominant 63 to 19 performance, but it was actually one of the probably one of the uglier games that Oregon has played all year. Um, we're going to get into that kind of what made it ugly. What are some of the the positives to take away from that game? Some of the negatives to take away Bo Nix, six touchdowns and a Heisman absolute mega boost game. We'll talk more about that. Tez Johnson, a beautiful bounce back um, a career day for him, a great day for the defense um, sets up a really fun matchup against USC this coming weekend. Um, there's probably a little bit less hype around that USC matchup now that USC actually is unranked after uh, losing yet again, this time to Washington in a 52 to 42 barn burner on Saturday night. Uh, we're going to look at that and what happened elsewhere around the Pac-12, elsewhere around the college football world. we got a lot to get to. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get into it. All right. I want to start with just kind of how chaotic this game was to start. Um, You know, if you, if you didn't watch the game, you look at the box score, you see 63 to 19. It seems like it was just a blowout throughout Um, the first quarter. was actually just, it was a wild, wild game. Just the first, you know, the first like couple minutes of this game, I believe. Um, One of the crazier sequences that I've ever seen. So um, the fact that Oregon was able to kind of weather that early storm, weather some early miscues and settle down and, and get the blowout is really impressive. But um, the, if you didn't watch the very first play of the game, uh, Oregon got the ball first. Very first play, Bo Nix passed to Tez Johnson. It kind of went through Tez's hands, bounced off his face mask. Cal got up for an interception. Uh, a few plays later, Oregon blocked a field goal. Um and returned it for a 68-yard touchdown. I think it was Kyrie Jackson who blocked the field goal. Then Julio Florence, who returned it for a touchdown, got called back because Kyrie Jackson was quite a bit offsides on the field goal block, which you could see right when it happened. But um, you know the players still ran it out anyway. The very next play after that blocked field goal got called back. Oregon gets an interception. Uh, Steve Stevens got an interception after Casey Rogers um, completely blew up his uh, his blocker. I think it was the left guard just pushed him back into, into um, the California quarterback and just forced an errant throw. Um, so you got that interception right away. Later in the first quarter, Oregon fumbled a snap on a Tez Johnson reverse. Um, it's, it wasn't even reverse; it was kind of a motion. Bo Nix and Jackson Powers Johnson said it was just a mistimed snap. It hit Johnson in the leg. Cal recovers it and takes it for a touchdown. Um, which already that's crazy. And then later, I forget if this was first quarter or second quarter. Uh, Casey Rogers again gets a strip sack this time. Uh, Taki Timani picks it up, returns it for what looked like a touchdown, ruled down at the one. Um, it's, you know, it's it's too bad that you don't get the credit for a touchdown for Taimani, but in reality, this did give Bo Nix a chance to get one of his two rushing touchdowns on the day. So I think in the end, it's probably a little bit more of a benefit for Oregon that he was ruled down at the one. You get to boost those Heisman numbers for Nix. Um, Overall, I mean, I talked earlier a little bit about the sloppiness of this game. Oregon had nine penalties for 99 yards. Um, there was a lot of sloppy play. They had two turnovers, that one interception, um, the one fumble. Both of those are credited to Bo Nix, which is a little bit unfortunate because neither of them were really his fault. Um, but, you know, that's just it's kind of what comes with the territory of playing quarterback. When, you know, there's a turnover and it's kind of up in the air on whose fault it was, the quarterback usually has to, to shoulder the load there. Um it was raining pretty hard through that first half. Um it tailed off a little bit in the second half. So you can kind of blame weather a little bit for some of the craziness, maybe some of the the slippery football, um, caused some fumbles, caused that interception for Tez Johnson. Um, all in all, I think this still, you know, it it sounds really nitpicky, but this is kind of a bad game for Oregon. You know, I think they played their B minus, C plus football. Um, we'll talk more about what Dan said after the game, but this it really is just not a great performance. It was really sloppy. They absolutely did not play up to their standard in this game. I mean, if they cut out some of those penalties, which those penalties have been such a big issue, we'll talk more about those later and uh, later specifically. But cut about cut out some of those, um, cut out some of the turnovers in this game. You know, a forty-four point margin could have been a much bigger. Um, so you know, we we talked to Dan, and after that big a. Uh, a blowout after the game, you expect the coach to be relatively upbeat and feel good about the win and good about his team. You might've thought that Oregon lost this game the way that he, um, you know, just his tone when talking to the media and answering questions after the game, he was pretty frustrated with how they played. Um, He said that they wanted a lot of plays back, said that there was just, there's so many things for them to clean up, which I think is honestly a good thing for Oregon because going into this next week against USC, um, a game that you, I mean, Oregon versus USC, you're not going to overlook that. But with the way that USC has been trending, it it could get to a point um, with other teams, other years where you start to feel really comfortable and feel like, oh, we should just blow the doors off USC. They're not a good defensive team. This Ducks team, they've got a lot to work on this week. They know that they're going to buckle down and they've got a lot of mistakes to fix. So I think that's kind of, in a sense, good that they had a frustrating game the week before USC because that means they're going to be really focused and trying to improve this week rather than, uh, you know, taking, not that they'd ever take a week off, but, um, you know, rather than get complacent, I guess I would say. And I think that Oregon fans should feel pretty confident about that as well. I think that um, when you look at the way this team played and how sloppy they were, and you see that they can still come out and absolutely pull the doors off a Cal team that is not bad. I mean, they're not. They're not one of the better teams in the conference, but they're really not one of the worst either. They're better than your Colorados, your Arizona States, your your Stanford's, your Washington States. You know Cal's a defense a, a decent team. I mean their defense has really struggled this year, but they've got a solid offense. And the fact that Oregon was able to come out and just completely shut them down allowed only twelve points on offense. Um, Cal again had that one touchdown, uh, the defensive touchdown. But overall, I think that Oregon fans should be pretty confident after this game because you know that this was not your best but even without your best you still looked like one of the better teams in the nation on saturday all right that's enough negatives on the day um for now at least let's talk about bo nicks let's talk about some positives um i said it a little bit earlier but bo nicks six total touchdowns four passing touchdowns two rushing touchdowns 386 total yards 76 percent completion percentage Uh, again credited with an interception and a fumble neither of those were his fault Um, you talk about Heisman games and Heisman statements games it's not like he had his Heisman moment in this game I mean I guess you kind of could say that he did if you watched the replay or you watched the game he had that little duck under throw where he pulled an absolute Houdini act and somehow escaped a sack and hit Treshawn Holden um, on the sideline for an impressive pass. If you haven't seen that replay or haven't didn't see that clip live, I encourage you to go on Twitter or on social media somewhere and find it. I know I retweeted it. Jeff Schwartz um, had the original video out there. It's Just search Bo Nix and, and look under videos. It's going to be there. Um, just a really incredible play. But going into the day, Bo was fourth in the Heisman odds. According to FanDuel Sports, um, he had plus 600 odds going into Saturday. He is now, after this game, vaulted up to number two on those boards uh, at plus 200 odds. And even in some places, I think BetMGM has him at number one at plus 150 over Michael Penix. Um, so, you know, this is this is one of those games. I, I talked to Joey about this last week that, um, you know, what we... What we get from Knicks each week is consistency. We know that he's going to go out there and throw for at least 245 yards and two touchdowns. Like It's nothing. Just every game, that's what you can expect. While that's great and that will have him in the conversation at the end of the year, I argued that he needed some of these games where he had 300-plus yards passing, four touchdowns, and just did it and just showed what his ceiling can be if he's allowed to go out there and just take the top off. Um, I really liked Joey's answer when I talked to him about it, that he said like, you know, you can't, you hesitate to call a game like that for him where you're trying to chase those stats because that's when you risk getting out of rhythm on offense. That's where you risk trying to make those mistakes because you're, you're working too hard. You're trying too hard to get these numbers. Um, and I mean, I agree with him. That's, that's not a bad answer at all. Um so it was I was really curious coming into this game. It was one of my biggest questions coming in was whether or not he was gonna try for some of those extra yards, some of those extra points against a team like Cal, who has a pretty porous defense. Um and that's absolutely what we saw. I mean, he he ran the ball several times once I got into the red zone. He he passed a ton. I don't know if this result was the, you know, I don't know if this output was the result of them trying harder to get him these extra stats or if it was just simply that's that's what he was able to do against a really bad Cal defense. Either way, it absolutely worked. And he is at the top of the Heisman board right now. And, you know, I can't I can't wait to see what it does against USC next week because they have one of the worst defenses in the nation. Um, They am recording this on Sunday afternoon. A couple hours ago, they finally, finally, finally fired their defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, about a year and a half too late. Um, They've given up, I believe, over 40 points uh, four or five times this year. They allow over 34 points a game. They've got the 121st scoring defense in the nation. I mean, any number you want to assign to USC's defense, it's going to tell you how bad they are. Um, so I, I can't wait to see what Bo Nix and this Oregon offense do against USC next week. I'm, I'm going to save some of my USC talk for later because I'm going to do a bit of a deeper dive on them. But just to, to preview that, um, this, this type of performance that we saw from Bo against Cal can absolutely be replicated next week because USC has no ability to stop Oregon's offense. And Bo Nix should have an absolute field day against them at Autzen. I quickly want to touch on uh, Tez Johnson a little bit more. This was this was a really it was an up and down game for Tez, but ultimately I'm very impressed by his ability to bounce back. Um, this was one of the worst starts that he can have. Like I said, he he dropped that ball for the interception um, on the very first play of the game. He was part of that fumble that led to the California touchdown later in the first quarter. Um, that snap hit off of his like it wasn't I mean, it's not his fault. He's running in motion and the snap gets missed time. But, um, you know, he's he's part of that. Um, and despite all of that, he shook it all off and managed to turn in a career high 12 catches for 180 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, on top of that, he had 75 yards and punt returns. Uh, one of his punt returns went for 47 yards, which is the longest that Oregon has had since Javon Holland back in, I believe, it was 2018. Javon Holland had an 81-yard return. Um, But regardless, just an an absolutely incredible game for him. And it's not like Tez was the only receiver doing anything on offense. I mean, Troy Franklin had a really good game. I believe he had, um, I don't have the stats in front of me. I think Troy had around 79 yards, 80 yards and a touchdown. So he had a really solid game too. But Tez Johnson was absolutely the guy for Oregon's offense. Um, You know, those two touchdowns. I think they tie his career high that he had at Troy. Um, Just a really impressive performance from him when you can get that type of production from your wide receiver too. Um, And the guy running alongside him is Troy Franklin, uh, likely a a finalist or a fringe finalist for the Blitnikoff Award this year. Uh, You're in a really, really good spot. And when you've got Bo Nix, a leading Heisman candidate, throwing the ball to them, it's no wonder that Oregon has the number one offense in the nation by a lot a lot of metrics um so i was i was really impressed with what we saw from tez we all knew that this was a game uh, an output a performance that he was capable of we haven't quite seen it yet we hadn't quite seen it yet i should say um but this was <clears throat> excuse me this was a really impressive performance i i love to see it for him I want to go back to the uh, the penalties real quick. I know I said that we we're done with the, the negatives and we on the positives, but we do need to go back to the penalties because once again, this has been, it's, it's been a, a massive problem for the ducks all year. Um, and we, we saw it last year. I don't think, I don't remember what the final numbers were last year. I don't think they were as bad as they have been this year. Um, I'd be interested to see where they were at this point in the time last year, where they are this year. Um, but it's, penalties. They, the Ducks just cannot get out of their own way. They keep shooting themselves in the foot when it comes to penalties. It didn't end up mattering against Cal because you had enough of a talent advantage that you're know it's you still able to beat them by 44 points despite having nine penalties for nine yards. But later in the year against teams like USC, against teams like Oregon State, against potentially Washington in a Pac-12 championship, this is going to matter. Um, and it absolutely needs to be cleaned up before then because um, there's going to be close games down the road, and you cannot be shooting yourself in the foot and getting in your own way. There were two times in yesterday's game, two touchdowns got completely wiped off the board because of penalty. I mean, you look at that. Uh, the field goal block that went for a touchdown was an offsides on Kyrie Jackson. Of course, they probably don't get the field goal block if he is an offsides, so that's a little bit of a wash, but it's it's touchdown that's wiped off because of penalty. And then later, I believe it was in the first quarter, Bucky Irving had a a catch on a screen pass that went for, I believe 35, 40 yards that was uh, called back because of a offensive pass interference on Patrick Herbert, which was a ticky tack call. Um, I have not done my game rewatch. I'll do that tomorrow morning and we'll really look into how bad of a call that was. But I I remember seeing it live and a lot of fans on, on social media and fans in the stand were pretty upset with that call. So um, I know there's, there's a lot of you know, hand-wringing about the officials yesterday. I know they weren't good. Uh, they missed a lot. They called a lot that I didn't personally see. But that's kind of the name of the game sometimes, especially in the Pac-12. I mean, any Oregon fan that's um, surprised by the level of officiating uh, at this point in time, I don't think they, they must not have been an Oregon fan for long because this is a thing that's been going on for a very, very long time. Um, and it's, it's just something you got to deal with, but you got to give, you can't give officials the opportunity to call a place to call the penalties. Um, you gotta, you just gotta be smarter and get yourself out of this. I mean, uh, Oregon had three holdings on Saturday. They also had three unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Um, that's just, those are things that, that can't happen. You know, sometimes procedural things happen. Um, Landing always talks about effort penalties, where you know it's it's a bang bang play. You're trying a little bit too hard. to get called for something. That's stuff that you can live with, but you you really can't live with these mental mistakes and emotional penalties like they had on Saturday. I'm going to be very curious to see how how Dan handles this going forward because you know we've been talking to him about injuries all year, and he said several weeks ago that. Um, you know, if you get penalties that hurt us, you won't play as simple as that. I mean, he said, if you're going to hurt us, you're not going to play. Um, we, excuse me, we haven't really seen him enforce that. And I'd be curious if he does going forward because, um, you know, there are, are several players out there that are hurting them in terms of penalties, um and i don't i don't know if he's going to enforce that and pull them off the field and you know maybe sit them for a drive sit them for a quarter sit them for a half sit them for a game i don't know what that enforcement looks like in his opinion i'd be curious to see and you know i'll probably ask him about that on monday night when we talk to him again but um you know whatever way you want to look at it whatever you do going forward something needs to change because this you know these penalty numbers, this penalty yardage, is absolutely too much for a team that's as good as Oregon, and a team that has as many high expectations and hopes this season as the Ducks do. Because uh, you know there's there's not many teams in the nation if we're looking at it from a grand grand view of things. There's not many teams in the nation that can beat the Ducks. But if Oregon is getting in their own way and shooting themselves in the foot, that that number of teams that can beat them grows. And so that's what you really want to cut out going forward couple more things on this game. Uh, I want to talk about the rushing defense. I thought they were very impressive yesterday. Uh, coming into this game, I mean, Cal was the best rushing team that Oregon had seen all year. Cal averaged over 200 yards per game on the ground, led by Jade Knott, an incredibly, incredibly talented, uh, true sophomore, actually, for Cal. Um, he's, he's really good. He's a future NFL back. Oregon held them to 109 yards on the ground, so... Almost to you know half of their average output. I asked Landing about that after the game, and you know asked him simply how how impressed he was, how encouraged he was by the defensive line's ability to shut down Cal's running offense, rushing offense more so than they had been all season. He classic, I mean, with with the rest of his answers as well, was not super satisfied, was not very uh, willing and open and and you know enthusiastic about talking about what they did, right? He wanted to talk about what they did wrong and how they can get better. He said that he thought they should have held them to, to far less yardage than they did. He thought that they should have held them to less than 109 total, uh, total yards on the ground. That's fine. I don't, I don't blame him at all. He's, he's going to come away from this game looking at how they can get better. That's that's good. I want my coach to do that. If I'm an Oregon fan, um, personally I'll say that I'm impressed with how this defense has continually showed up um, week after week and really done a good job of taking away the other team's offensive strengths it's kind of Bill Belichickian in this sort of way with the New England Patriots I mean they're this defense is really good at, at seeing what the other offense does whether it's Colorado and their passing offense whether it's Utah or Cal and their rushing offense and they're they're just really good at keying on that and making sure that that's not how the team is going to beat you. Um, with Utah last week, they shut down the rushing offense and made them throw. With Cal this past week, they shut down the rushing offense and tried to make them throw. With Colorado earlier in the year, they absolutely got after um, Shador Sanders, and made them take take away the pass, take that out of their offensive game, made them try and run the ball, and it it worked for Oregon. So. Um, week after week, we've really seen great defensive schemes, defensive plans that have worked out well for the ducks. And this past week is no different. I thought they looked really good. Dan can disagree. Um, that's fine. I would rather him be upset. They allowed too many yards than think that, uh, they did better than they should have. But in the end, from a fan's perspective and a media person's perspective, I think that the defense played really well. They looked good on that stage. Last thing in this game, I want to talk a little bit about special teams. Um, There's two special teams topics to talk about. I'm going to start with the positive. Uh, Ross James. How about Ross James? Uh, If you don't know, if you're an Oregon fan who doesn't know who Ross James is, I don't blame you. He is the punter. We have not seen him a ton. He only has 20 punts this year. Uh, On Saturday, I think he had the best punt I've ever seen live in person. Um, 64 yards, went out at the California three. Um, it was just a, an, as soon as it left his foot, it looked like an incredibly good punt and you could just see it traveling and it's like, oh, okay. There was, there was a lot of murmurs throughout the the press rows, media members watched that. Cause we've got a really cool vantage point to so those punts. I mean, that comes, we're high up in the stadium that comes up to our level. And so you could really see how far it travels. Um, just an incredible punt. And I want to just use this time to look more at his stats as a whole because, you know, Ross James absolutely does not get the credit that he deserves. He's been one of the most valuable players for Oregon this year. He's been super consistent and very just high quality punts. Um, I looked, I broke down his stats after this game just to see he doesn't qualify for any of like the national punting statistics because he only has 20 punts on the year. So he's below the, uh, the minimum. I think you need 20. I think the lowest I saw on the list was 23 or 25. So he's close. But if you take his punting average, I mean, he's averaging 49.8 yards per punt uh, among all of the people that do qualify. Again, he does not qualify. That would be first uh, in the nation. That'd be best in the nation. I think the second best would be, I think it was 49.3. So it's just, uh, it's something to give him credit. I think that he's done a really good job. We, He was the punter last year as well and did not have as good of a year. He was very inconsistent, did not have quite the quality that we've seen this year. So I don't know what changed, but he's really, really improved. And he's given the Oregon defense a great benefit because he routinely is putting them in a good position when he has to go out there and punt and giving them good field position, giving them uh, you know, a, a great opportunity to succeed. So shout out to Ross James. This is a really good performance for him. And I'm excited to see what he does continually going forward. Contrarily uh, another Camden Lewis game. I know this is, I don't like talking about Camden Lewis because I really like him. I think he's a good player. I think he's getting a bad rap, but again, um, he, I think he only tried one field goal in this game and missed. I, I, Forget, yeah, actually, he didn't. They scored 63 and they had nine touchdowns, so yeah, he had one field goal attempt and missed it. It was not really his fault. I honestly want to blame the coaching more than I'm gonna blame Camden because this is a, a kicker who needs confidence right now. And what does Dan Lenny do but decide to trot him out there for a 53 yard attempt? Um, which would have been his career long by I think four yards. I'm pretty sure Camden's career long is 49. Um, and the, you know, the result was not remotely close. I mean, there were some angles We, we can't really see it from the press box. We've got a bad angle to see how far away it was from going in. There's some angles from people filming in the end zone where I think this kick might've missed by a good 15 to 20 yards. Right. Um, you know, this is something that Oregon really needs to figure out going forward because, When it comes down to it this season, when you're in the stretch run, when you're in those pivotal games, uh, late game situations, you need a solid field goal kicker that you can trust and a field, in a field goal kicker who has confidence uh, going out there. And, you know, uh, Camden is a a very confident kid. We've talked about, talked to him a lot. Um, I know he's got a really good head on his shoulders. I personally trust him to go out there. I want him to trust himself though. And I want fans to trust him. I'm, He's a really good kicker. I mean, he's he's less than 20 points away from being Oregon's all-time leading scorer. That's the most points ever in Oregon history, which I don't think a lot of fans realize. He's got a long career at Oregon. He's made a lot of kicks. Um, unfortunately, he's missed quite a few kicks over the past few games as well. So um, this is just, it continues to be a topic because we continue to need to see more from him in this aspect. And again, I don't really blame yesterday on him I think that's a a bad coaching decision where I know you're kind of in no man's land it's third or fourth and nine from I think the 35 somewhere around there so it's a little bit too far to kick a field goal too short to punt you don't feel great about going forward on fourth and nine um but in in that situation I trust the offense more than I trust a kicker who needs confidence at the moment to try and kick a 53 yarder. so um that's that's one thing I would change but we'll see how that changes going forward all right, elsewhere in the world of college football, there was not as much chaos as I anticipated on this Saturday. Um, you know, going into the game, were going into the day, excuse me, there were a ton of top 25 matchups and a ton of opportunities for upsets that were going to shake up the college football playoff race and just kind of mess up the standings after the, the first week after they came out. But in the end, Georgia won, they beat number 12, Missouri, Alabama won. They beat number 14, LSU, Texas won in overtime against Kansas state, Ohio state won against Rutgers, despite being tested in the first half, the only real, you know, upset. And I don't even know if it was a shocker, but definitely an upset is Oklahoma lost to Oklahoma state in the last bedlam that we have on the schedule. So, um, that was, you know. There was a lot of opportunities for chaos and a lot of opportunities for upset, but none of that really happened. We're still kind of waiting for that chaos to take place in the world of college football this year. And, you know, believe me, it will Um, the fact that it's early November and we haven't seen too many upsets yet is a little bit surprising, but there's still several weeks to go and a lot of really good teams playing other really good teams. So don't worry. Some of that chaos is still to happen. And as long as it's not centered around Oregon losing to you know, someone like USC or Oregon State or Arizona State, uh, it's mostly going to benefit the Ducks because they've got a lot of ground to um, stand to gain. They stand to gain a lot of ground is what I should say if other teams around them lose. So we'll be looking out for that going forward. In the Pac-12 specifically, uh, Washington versus USC was the highlight of the day for sure. I know I mentioned up at the top, Washington won that game fifty-two to forty-two. It was an absolute barn burner. Unfortunately, I didn't get to watch much of it. I saw probably this the last half of the fourth quarter. Um, you know that game kicked not long after Oregon. I think Oregon was a two-thirty to kick. That was a four-thirty kick. And then after interviews went long, and and you know you get home. Uh, traffic and writing and all that. I got to see barely into that game, but um, you know it was a, a fun game by all means, uh, by all accounts from what, it, what people are saying on social media and people that watched it. I was a little bit surprised to see how low Michael Penix's numbers were from that standpoint. I mean, when they put up 52 points, a huge offensive game, I think he only had a couple hundred yards and two touchdowns, one interception as well. Of course, when you consider that, uh, Washington running back Dylan Johnson had over 250 yards on the ground and four touchdowns. That makes a little bit of sense. Um, you know, I want to get more on this game in just a second, but to continue our elsewhere in the Pac-12, UCLA lost to Arizona. Um, that's not honestly too surprising. I predicted that. I called that one going into this game. Arizona is just on a heater right now, and I don't I don't want to play them. I don't care who you are. Even Oregon. Oregon play if Oregon played Arizona this week, I'd be a little nervous about that game because, well, I think Oregon is the better team. Arizona is playing incredibly well right now. Their offense looks great. Their defense looks very solid. They've got uh shocker to say this. One of the better coaches in the PAC 12 was Jed fish. I think he's probably the leading candidate to win coach of the year in the PAC 12 right now. So Arizona looks good. They'll be a bowl team and they're a, uh, um, just a, a really fun watch. Definitely. If you haven't seen them, I, I suggest you check them out. Uh, Oregon state beat Colorado last night. That one was not very entertaining. I know Oregon state let Colorado back into the game late, but it was in hand from start to finish. Utah came back after their blowout loss to Oregon last week, and they absolutely destroyed Arizona state. That was 55 to three was, I think the final score. I know Arizona state lost their quarterback, lost their starting quarterback, Uh, pretty early in that game so i don't you know that result doesn't matter a ton in the long run but i think it helps oregon a little bit because it shows that utah is not this terrible team it's a team capable of beating a really bad team by 52 points so that in turn boosts oregon a tiny bit but i don't think that oregon really needs that boost um Elsewhere, let's see. Stanford beat Washington State. Um, that's just a. Washington State continues to just absolutely fall apart after having one of the better Septembers in the nation. Uh, good for Stanford. Good for Troy Taylor. I think that team's going places. We'll see how good they can be in the ACC next year. But if they can continue to recruit the way they are and um, it appears like they've got the right coach, I think they'll be a, a fun team going forward and they'll be able to get back on the map. All right, let's talk USC. Um, like I mentioned, Alex Grinch, defensive coordinator, fired earlier today, just a couple hours ago when I record this. Um, the betting line for this game between USC and Oregon opened up at Oregon minus 14, over under 74.5. Um, I've seen in some places that the line has already moved to Oregon minus 17, so um, I, if I am an Oregon fan and a sports better, I am absolutely taking that Oregon minus 14 line if I can get it. I think this is a game that Oregon has, you know, the chance, a chance to absolutely blow out. Um, I think this could be a game that's not remotely close in the end. Why do I think that? Because Oregon has the number one scoring offense in the nation, averaging 47 points per game. USC has the number 121 scoring defense, allowing 40 plus points in five of the last six games. Uh, There's a real chance that Bucky Irving goes for over 200 yards in this game. I mentioned earlier that washington's dylan johnson went for 250 and four touchdowns last night uh i you know i think bucky irving is the best running back in the pac-12 i think he's better than dylan johnson no disrespect to dylan johnson i think bucky is just one of the best players all around players in the pac-12 and one of them in the nation as well so i i like his chances to go up against usc's run defense or lack thereof a run defense and absolutely go wild um it should be mentioned, I'm just going to say this that back in 2012 Kenyon Barner set the Oregon single game rushing record with 321 yards against USC. Not saying, I'm just saying. Yes, USC can score. Caleb Williams is still a really great player. Um I haven't seen you know, he hasn't been as great this year as he was last year, but that's because last year was, you know, he was the Heisman winner last year. And this year, he's being asked to do a little bit more with less around him, in my opinion. Um, and on top of that, I mean, USC scores a lot, but they also have not faced a defense that's even remotely as good as Oregon. So um, I, I expect... Oregon to come into this game hungry like I said earlier I think they're mad after that game I think the landing is going to be on them in practice I think they really want to come out and make a statement um unfortunately nobody is going to be able to watch that statement because this game is kicking off at 7 30 p.m pacific time which is an absolute travesty um it gets my blood boiling just thinking about it the fact that we have to wait till 7 30 for this kick on fox um you know Across the nation, 730 kicks are just the worst thing in college football. No one likes them. No one, I mean, it's it's all about TV money and the fact that they want to fill their late-night window. Just really, really unfortunate that Oregon got stuck in that window this week against USC. Um, I understand it. I get why it happened. That does not mean that I have to like it. Um, but all in all, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be an entertaining game. I don't think it's going to be a close game. But it should be one where Oregon can absolutely make a statement and they can continue on their run towards the Pac-12 championship game. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, The plan is to come back on Wednesday after the second batch of college football playoff rankings come out. That'll be on Tuesday night. We are going to look at those numbers. We are going to look ahead to USC. Um, I'm hoping to have a special guest on with me, someone that I'm really looking forward to talking to. Um, we will, we're will. we figuring things out. If I don't get them on this week, I'll probably get them on next week. So um, a, a classic Oregon football player, one of my favorites as a kid growing up. Um, so we'll see if we can get them on this week. But either way, I'll be coming back on Wednesday. We'll break down the college football playoff rankings and look ahead to USC. Thank you guys for listening and following along. If you want to check out more of my work, you can find it all at duckswire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. I will talk to you guys later this week. Until then, Take it easy. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks?